you're listening to the Southern U Podcast, brought to you by Darton Archery on the OKS Podcast Network, with your host Taylor McMurtry, Jeremy Ferguson, and Matt Brock. Hi everybody, welcome back to episode number six of the Southern U Podcast. I'm Taylor McMurtry and joined as always, AL Deer Legend. Habitat first. Can properties. we just say Matt Brock? No, we no. can't. No, it's Matt. It's, it's it, the AL Deer legend. It will always be yeah. Matt Brock, <laughs> the, the love of AL Deer, and the other resident biologist, uh, Mr. Jeremy Ferguson, who so, is not the favorite on AL Deer. I'm not the favorite either. There's. Did you have you lost that momentum? I'm just saying, there's probably as many people on there that have major heartburn over me as as don't. But anyway. I figured that. I feel like it outweighs. There's a lot more that, a lot more fanboys than. I've met some great people on there, really. I mean, yeah. I've I've met. There's some good folks. I on figured there. the yeah. dress just kind of bounced you up all the way to the <laughs> top, and you'll it is what you'll it forever is. stay there. It's all right. Yep, and uh, we are still in the killing cabin. Uh, if you know mm-hmm. from the last episode, um, unfortunately, the weather didn't cooperate with us, and and no woodland creatures were harmed. No. Uh, in the making of either of these episodes. No, they're not so. going to be when you stay in bed. Yeah. No. But no. unlike most of the year, we got some sleep. We did. Mm-hmm. It was kind of nice. So It's a rarity. Yeah. Hard rain on a tin roof. Man, that that's, uh, that's, a, res- that's a recipe for some sleep. That's where it's at. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, today's episode is another one that I say this every time, but I really am excited about every, every one of these topics. But <clears throat> this is one that's kind of unique. Uh, for us uh, being here in the south because we're going to be talking about the southern rut and um, basically this will be another one of the 101 uh, content 101 episodes if you live in the south and you want to hunt the rut we're going to kind of take a deep dive into how to do that and how to do it well and um, how to scout for it those sort of things because it's a little bit different than your midwest rut i mean everything from timing to uh, habitat, all those sorts of things are a little bit different. So, um, guys, unless you want to, uh, unless there's anything else, we'll just dive right in. Let's do it. Ready? All right. Very first question here is what are typical time frames for the rut in the South? And I know that's kind <laughs> of a, kind of a loaded question. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, uh, because we got, uh, the South is weird. We've got a lot of diversity or a lot, you know, mm-hmm. in, uh, in habitat, but also in, uh, the times for the rut when it peaks and certain areas you have deer running crazy when other areas are completely dead nothing going on yeah so uh, i'm just gonna unlock the midwest you can't do it in a couple of week period you got to have several pages on your on your calendar open around here it's true mm-hmm. you know they they lose their or velvet about September and somewhere they're rutting. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. About then, and yeah. they'll rock along till, oh, till their antlers fall I, off in uh, March or April. Yeah, I think the only state that has a more diverse rut than Alabama is probably Florida. They've got deer yeah. rutting down there 12 months out of the year, I think, depending on where you are. And, heck, Alabama has – we've had so many stocking sources for deer over the last 100 years that uh, we have everything from – late october to mid-february yeah depending on where you are late october mm-hmm. yep well do tell because i need to hear about these places over along the uh chattahoochee 
Yeah, Georgia line. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we just call it the Chattahoochee River influence, but it's just those deer right there on the Georgia-Alabama state line. They're early. I mean, those guys are – they're done. They, they've been done yeah, for been a little done. while. Yeah, that's interesting. So, um, any speculation as to why? I mean, is that just like a, a different um, – I don't want to say subspecies, but is that a different population that was brought in from somewhere else? That and that's the reason they rut like that, or is it just kind of a geographical thing? Or I don't know because I'm not familiar with Georgia's stocking history. Uh, me either, but most of most of Georgia is, is pretty early, from what I remember. I I only lived in Georgia for a couple of years, and it was Central Georgia. Um, but c- I, I, Central Georgia is November. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the southwestern part of the state, best best I recall, is a, quite a bit later. Uh, gets on into December, maybe middle part of December. Yeah, I looked at the uh, rut map for Georgia within the last 48 hours, and southwest Georgia pretty much is the only place that has a December rut. Mm-hmm. Everything else is October, <clears throat> November. That's wild. The Southern U Podcast is brought to you by Darton Archery. For over 70 years, Darton Archery has been leading the way in archery innovation. With over 30 patents spanning over 60 years, it's easy to see why many archers and bow hunters have chosen to shoot a dart. Darton's patented dual sink cam system gives the archer one quarter inch draw length adjustments, adjustable holding weight options ranging from 85% to 65%, and the super easy to tune e-system for quick adjustments and perfect arrow flight. For more information or to find an authorized Darton dealer, visit dartonarchery.com. That's D-A-R-T-O-N-A-R-C-H-E-R-Y.com. Yeah, mm. and different areas, I think different factors influenced the rut, you know, in, in areas that prone to heavy flooding in the wintertime. You may see it earlier, um, and I think it follows different resources, uh, different parts of the, the state, you know, some kind of limiting factor or some environmental factor that, you know, over, you know, over thousands and mm-hmm. thousands of years has pushed their breeding times or their successful fawning times into certain windows and once they're successful there, that's kind of where they land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you look at most of Alabama and Mississippi, the native deer, um, you're looking at December to early January mm-hmm. for most of both of those states. Now, when you get down into the boot hill of Mississippi, southeast Mississippi, and southwest Alabama, um, that that has shifted more toward late January mm-hmm. and early February. Right. And then, you know, some population factors play in to True. that. Um, you, when you've got a heavily skewed buck-to-doe ratio, like many places, especially here in Alabama, have, the rut gets drawn out because there's not just a ton of breeding-age adults in the population that are mm-hmm. quote-unquote successful breeders, uh, you know, fawns. I guess potentially can can breed. They they really shown not to in most yeah. research. Most but, of the South they don't. Midwest yeah. more common, but mostly. But our yeah. yearlings absolutely are in the breeding pool, and and they 
do a fair amount of breeding. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I know it's uh, – I think that is kind of unique, though, just about the south because you have one state over in Georgia that's wildly different in mm-hmm. terms of the just the time frame. Yep. And, like, here um, and where me and Jeremy are at in Marshall County, I mean, that's – you're looking at it at the very least, you know, a, a Christmas time, you know, into December mm-hmm. rut. And mm-hmm. most of the time um, in that kind of area, Marshall, Jackson area, you're really looking at more like January. January. Mm-hmm. And um, so it is kind of strange how there is so much, you know, it can be wildly different depending on where you are. And, and well, <clears throat> Go ahead. I was just going to say, even in close proximity – you know, the the, yeah. the deer here, um, well, let's just take, uh, there's a club down the road. We're not going to name it here, but we did fetal reproductive studies there for years. And their average breeding date, two to three miles down the road, mind you, their average breeding date is about 10 days before it is right here. And then if you go 15 miles east of here, they start getting the influence from the deer that were restocked from Stimson right sanctuary which is in the southwest alabama which they have a later breeding date mm-hmm. so if you get over around wolf creek management area in uh, eastern fayette walker county uh that that average breeding date is like january 31st to february the 4th 5th 6th yeah. you're looking at and see jackson county's got the same mm-hmm. they they had some deer from stimson up there so there's parts of the jackson county that you know it's always had deer even when there were no deer there were a few hanging on mm-hmm. up there so you've got your typical native deer rut dates that are going to be sometime in december -December. Mm mid-december and then you get down into certain parts that it's i mean like matt said five six miles away it's january late late january that creates all kind of issues for deer managers yeah i'm sure i mean it's it's complicated yeah i mean which i know i mentioned on the last episode but that lease in randolph county when people were trying to explain, like, you know, the draw of this club is you get to hunt a split rut. Mm-hmm. You have this place, in it was called Rock Mills, where the week of Thanksgiving, things are just deer running everywhere. And then after about, you know, 10 days or so, 12 days, it's a ghost town. There is nothing going on over there. And it's like, just switch gears and come back to Rock Springs, to that property. And it's more of a traditional rut. And if I had not... Again, you guys have more experience in this kind of field than I do, but I had never experienced anything like that before. So it was kind of hard for me to wrap my head around, honestly. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't been there to see it myself, my own eyes, you know, it's like, okay, man, whatever. But uh, but it's a, a real thing. And they're, like you said, five miles apart, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and what most Alabama hunters don't get to encounter is, you talked about that being a 10 or 12 day period. Mm-hmm. Most Alabama hunters do not get a concise rut. It, it's a trickle along. Yes. You know, it it, it lasts for – once you kind of start seeing some quote-unquote rutting behavior, the yes. scrapes and the young bucks pushing, man, that lasts six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And uh, it's uh, – it's, I don't think that a lot of people understand the amount of stress that that places on the population either, especially mm-hmm. the buck segment of the population because when they're – when they've got that intense competition for that extended period of time, it really drags them down. Mm-hmm. And that that's why, you know, Matt and I have not been in favor of the extended season mm-hmm. here in our, our part of the state. You know, different parts of the state, it's okay. Um, but, you know, that's that's the main reason behind why we 
yeah, weren't well, real supportive of it in our location. Right. Well, and I think I mean, Matt even said it on that episode. Was like, I'm not saying that it's a a bad thing in certain areas, but a blanket statement mm-hmm. across the entire state, like absolutely not. Well, why you do know, we have deer zones? We we have deer zones for a reason, that's true. and we use breeding dates to justify earlier seasons in areas where it was needed, mm-hmm. and then right. we open it up wide open to the middle of February for the whole state. Yeah, that's even true. in areas with earlier ruts, that just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Just counterproductive. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a, but that's a good point. We don't get to make those decisions. No, we don't. <laughs> No, that's true. Especially now. No, no, no. (laughs) We've got less input than we used to have. Uh, That's funny. Um, So, and you know, just kind of in that same spirit, this next question here is, um, I guess we're going to get more more down to the science of it, I guess, but what's a typical estrus cycle for does? Like, you know, that's why you hear people talk about your – primary rut and then your secondary rut mm-hmm. and that kind of could you guys just kind of maybe shed some light on what that looks like in the south because well different does are hardwired to come into estrus at the same time every year mm-hmm. um you know i you can debate all day long what roll the moon play there, there's no rutting moon there that weather it's they're doing their thing they are going to come into estrus at the the same time every single year now observed activity can change according to weather patterns or moon phase okay um but from all the fetal reproductive studies that have been conducted for decades in every single state mm-hmm. the conclusion has been the same if you take location a Every year, the majority of does are going to come into estrus within a couple of days. I start to say, best I remember, our average was somewhere just slightly over forty-eight hours. Right. Within you know what what we took. Wow. Is you know within a you know, and it's not an exact science, but it's pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. But within a, a two-day window, man, those those does in that location were coming in. That's estrus. when they're going to come in, and so you know. When people say, I think the rut's earlier this year, I think the rut's later. No, it's not. It's just it, perceived it, activity. It's perceived right. activity. It's what you're observing. Mm-hmm. And that can change drastically. That can change from one day to the next. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, your does are going to come in the same time every year, and, every single year. And that's okay. going to last roughly 28 days. Okay. Right. So they'll come in. Either they get bred or they don't get bred in a, in a healthy population where you've got enough deer, enough bucks in the in the population. A, a, a buck is going to be with a doe and tend her for 24 hours mm-hmm. or longer. Mm-hmm. He's going to breed her several times until either another buck pushes him off um, or they've bred and he moves on to the next. And that's, that is that is precisely why I fight so hard to get people to understand that having mature bucks in the population is important. It doesn't matter what's on their head. I'm not worried about what's on their head. Mm-hmm. Just having mature bucks in the population um because you you need you need deer breeding does uh experienced deer breeding does now you know bucks of all ages are going to breed right um, yeah the the young bucks are kind of like we were when we were teenagers you know they <laughs> so happy to be there they, 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 they <laughs> were you know and they're like oh i'm going to chase this one today and while he may have the opportunity to to breed that doe by gosh another one comes along and uh, 
she, she's in it, he's going that way. Not, yeah, it's not, you not know, too so, picky. Yeah, yeah, they're they're equal opportunity. By gosh, right. you know, it's something. it's funny. <laughs> I, I love watching it because you'll see all these young bucks spending so much of their resources on chasing, chasing, chasing. They're just running around chasing all the does that they can chase, and then it's fun to watch a mature deer step into the picture, and he's just like, "All right, show's over, guys." Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not running her. I'm not chasing her. She's mine. You can accept it or I'll show you. But, <laughs> right. Um, you know, I'm taking over now. And that's, um, that's a big that's a big shift in behavior that I've seen between bucks in the two to three-year-old age classes and then the older bucks. Mm-hmm. When they show up on a hot doe, yeah. they don't have to chase her. They're not going to chase her. I, I mean, that – and. We go a lot back to the how deer act in the Midwest because they generally act a little bit more like a deer, not <laughs> not scared to death all the time. Right. Our deer are scared to move. Yeah, yes. but you'll see, you know, a lot of times on a hot doe, you're going to see multiple bucks, and and generally speaking, the last buck in the line is the probably the the most mature, the one that's like. Yeah, I've got this locked up. All I'm going to do is follow along until it's right, and I'm mm-hmm. going to let these other knuckleheads kill shake, each other, right? <laughs> kill each other, <laughs> yeah. chase each other around, <laughs> and uh, you know he's not generally in a hurry, right? Yeah, I yeah. That's it. what I've noticed. Larger, mature bucks that are behind those are generally just kind of trailing along. They're not mm-hmm. actively pursuing or chasing. Mm-hmm. They may be grunting and staying with her, but they're not chasing. Yeah. So I don't. I'll ask you guys this too, because like I've got my own, not theory, but I've just got my own experience with this stuff. In the Midwest, you see a lot, and even like Jeremy's got some footage from where he went out to Kansas and stuff, where like bucks running with their mouth wide open, tongue hanging out, just you know, just completely gassed, chasing does around. Do you guys? typically or have you ever seen that in in the south you yes. say that now yes, and yes. Stuff? depends on the property i was gonna say i've never seen that i've seen bucks run some does around i've never mm-hmm. seen that kind of just you know i mean like i've even seen uh in the midwest like like drool you know mm-hmm. all over their mm-hmm. mouth just i mean they're just done it, chase, you know what i mean it, i've never really seen that in alabama or the south in it, general so. it has a lot to do with the sex ratio and age structure mm-hmm. of the population which we we have a completely different sex ratio and age structure in alabama than most of the midwest mm-hmm. simply because our season is so long and so many bucks get harvested that's true yeah, that's a that's a good point mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean it, it is and, it, and i've seen the same behavior in alabama on certain properties that are managed, ratios yeah, how, are, yeah where mm-hmm, the ratios right. Are, are right, then yeah, you'll see the same type of behavior. Okay, and and even unmanaged property where there's a lower deer density, mm-hmm. you you'll tend to see that because I mean there's just less opportunity, so those bucks are are mm-hmm. up moving. Mm-hmm. They're trying to take every opportunity they can, and they may have to cover a lot of ground to do that. And as far as deer health <clears throat> is concerned, it's better for the deer if they have a really short intense rut that mm-hmm. lasts 10 days 14 days rather than Super you know a, a third of those does not getting bred they come in again 28 days later we do the whole process over oh, I got you. and mm-hmm. you know it just it wears them down yeah. it really wears them down the southern new podcast is brought to you by tethered for the last five years and counting tethered has pushed the boundaries of what mobile hunting looks like Thanks to Tethered, gone are the days of having to haul heavy gear into the woods in order to hunt from elevation. Their lineup of tree saddles are lighter and safer than other methods. And saddles are not the only thing that Tethered has made better. 
Their complete lineup of sticks, packs, and other accessories have streamlined the process of getting to your desired hunting area and doing more of what we all love to do, hunt. So if you're ready to ditch the bulky, heavy, and loud hunting methods of the past, check out Tethered's complete list of products and gear at tetherednation.com. That's T-E-T-H-R-D-N-A-T-I-O-N.com. Yeah, well, I mean, I will talk about some of this stuff later, but because you've said before, like 11 months out of the year, deer are enslaved to their stomachs. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the window where they're kind of not. Mm-hmm. And so if... You this know, is when they act stupid. Yeah, this is where they finally make a mistake and mm-hmm. act stupid. Uh, so I guess like they're not eating like they normally would eat. They're oh, not, no. you know, or or at all. You know, they, their their primary focus is breeding, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's what they, they. And the only exception that I've seen to that is when we're talking about mature bucks. A lot of times I see coming out of the rut, the five and six and seven year old bucks are still in superb condition. Compared to the two, three, and four-year-old deer, <laughs> they're just because I mean, they're not spending as much of yeah, their time right. and energy chasing, actively chasing does. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. But you know, they usually come out of rut faring much better than the middle-aged deer. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, the <clears throat> you mentioned that our, you know, 28 days and our rut being drawn out and. It may be two or three cycles because we have a skewed sex ratio, but the hot topic of deer with spike on one side, you know, especially here in the south, mm-hmm. that is the primary reason for that. The Our bucks are getting damaged because they're fighting and, and still displaying rut behaviors as those pedicles are starting to turn loose mm-hmm. uh, or start to dissolve. You know, it, it takes a little bit of time for for those pedicles to dissolve and antlers to fall off and if they're still you know got a little bit of rut behavior doesn't take much to damage mm-hmm. one of those pedicles mm-hmm. that's right yeah it's I, not genetic <laughs> no it's not genetic well, you know like, occasionally but there's um, a, a place that i got to hunt in in north alabama that is a. Uh, it's private property and it's bow hunt only. So the deer are really not pressured very much. And there's also not very many deer that get harvested every year off of it. Um, and one of the, one of the few times that I've actually gotten to witness some legit like rut activity, like, you know, in the woods, um, I had what I thought were about seven does on top of a ridge and they were working down to me about midways down a, 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 a bottom. And, uh, I'm just watching them come down through here in a single file line and they're all going to come about 26 yards from me and they are progressively um, bigger as the line goes. So the ones in the front are yearlings and then you get some bigger does and then sure enough, mature does in the back. Then all of a sudden I look up there and see it and there's a big, just slick, you know, wide forked six pointer. Mm -hmm. And he was just running I don't know that he was running all of them around, but I'm saying he was the only buck, and there were seven does, you know, and probably I guess maybe five or six of them were eligible, to, you know, to, mm-hmm. for him to breed. But I'm just saying, like, I thought, oh my gosh, man, he's, you know, these does are gonna, he's gonna drag him right by me, and because mm-hmm. this was, you know, even though it was a six, it was an old deer, and uh, could tell just immediately from looking at him, and uh, naturally the very last doe 
decides to get to 40 yards and go directly away from me <laughs> instead of bringing him down. But I'm just saying, like, I mean, he was, like, typical nose on the ground, mm-hmm. you know, running her around. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, um, you guys – we haven't, t- I haven't talked about this much, but I used to be a student pastor uh, a few years ago, and I was on a winter retreat, and my pastor calls, and he and I hunt this property together some. And he calls, and he goes, man, as soon as you get back from this winter retreat, you've got to get up here. These deer are running crazy. And I'm like, really? You know, <laughs> it's like this is – this is um, this would have been – like December the 28th or 9th or so, mm-hmm. uh, some just after Christmas and before New Year's. So um, we, you know, finished that retreat. I, I go hunting. That's when all this, this, you know, that story happened. And uh, But it was like just like that. It was like it was over. It, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All that happened and you get all and pumped I, up. I, I know where you're talking about now, and that's that's a function of the deer density there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. It, Part of it. It's the, a, that's the a lower, low deer density. The lower the deer density. You're gonna you're gonna have a really quick rut. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, there's hardly you know it's bow hunt only. So I mean, if 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 seven deer are taken off that place in a season, that's a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's it's a I mean I don't say it's a huge place. It's a relatively big place, about five hundred acres ish, maybe a little less than that. But because everybody up there has you know a bow and arrow in their hand, it's just hard to kill more than that, really. Mm-hmm. And um, um, anyways, but I just want to share that because that's like I've one of the few times that I've actually seen, you know, <laughs> legit. And it was as fast as it happened, it was over, it was just mm-hmm. boom, done. So, um, you'd think with not not taking very many deer off the property, there would be an overabundance of of deer there. But and, and that's that's part of what we talked about, you know, last episode was is that part of the world in the Cumberland. It its recruitment rates and its fawning rates are relatively low mm-hmm. so even though you're not taking deer a lot of deer off of it they're just not producing a lot of deer on an annual basis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's true which and i have killed several coyotes off that property too mm-hmm. uh, multiple out of the same tree so you know there's probably something to, to oh, do yeah. there too there's um, plenty of natural mortality mm-hmm. that's associated sure. too and um, another question here, which I know we've we've already sort of touched on a little bit, but what role does the weather play for the rut, if at all? I know you said, hey, it ain't got nothing to do. They're going to come into estrus at the same time. But you mentioned observed behavior mm-hmm. may change or, you know, it may mm-hmm. vary, whatever. Um, is there any kind of – is there any way to expand on that or talk about that a little bit more, what what hunters are seeing and versus what's actually happening? The only thing – that I will say on weather affecting rut timing is, is extremes one way or another. If you have extreme drought mm-hmm. or extreme wet, then, you know, that could affect the timing. I know, um, you know, some of the leading deer biologists this year say in the Midwest is experiencing a trickle rut because of the drought that we had mm-hmm. or that they had. I don't know. You know, it didn't it, get, it wasn't trickling where I was at. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it, it was on. And like here <clears throat> in Alabama, we actually were unseasonably wet until August, September, October. <laughs> unseasonably right. dry. So we went w- from wet to dry. And people are still saying, you know, we, this was a drought. It's not a drought year. We had no. a drought period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, deer seemingly not affected by it at all. I don't expect that to change our rut timing at all this year because deer are in superb condition. Every deer that I've seen taken has been very healthy. But I, I, I bet we're going to hear of a – 
less of or less sightings, less harvest oh, yeah. during the rut because all these guys are wanting to sit on green fields. Oh gosh, yeah. And there's not one. Yeah, <laughs> there's there, there's there's a surplus of acorns in a lot of areas. I mean, all lots about the of acorns, acorns baby. All it's it. all about the acorns. And then we're going to have a lot of landowners that don't have food plots mm-hmm. because we've had such a dry period. And the people that wanted to go back and replant couldn't find seed. So a lot of the seed stores, they didn't purchase additional seed Mm-mm. to make up for that. Oh, yeah. So there were a lot of people around here that wanted to replant, and they would search around everywhere for seed. Nobody had anything. So It's amazing uh, how everything affects everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's all tied yeah. together. And, and for crying out loud, guys, don't break down and buy Marshall ryegrass. Please don't. Everywhere. Yeah, just don't. Uh, you'll you'll be making a mistake. But, um, you know, going back to your your question, um, temperature has a lot to do with deer activity during daylight. Mm-hmm. They just move better in colder temps. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they they've built up some fat reserves. Mm-hmm. They're got a thick winter coat on, and it turns 70, 80 degrees. They're still doing their thing. Mm-hmm. It's just when it's dark, when it's cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or in thick cover. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've just seen moving it. less. They're just moving less in daylight, and that would give off the impression, oh, the rut's not happening, or it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on this year? Well, I promise you they're rutting. You're yeah. just not mm-hmm. seeing it. Yeah, which, and uh, if you guys kind of, we've talked about does and kind of coming into estrus and what role that plays, but could you maybe – talk a little bit about um about how uh, i don't know how to, how to phrase this question how how does buck behavior when it comes to the rut like what a what a buck be all about chasing does around in any time any time or what it or once, is it you know what i mean once they shed their velvet they're in rut they're 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 ready to go. If they found a, yeah, they're a, just waiting on. If they a found doe. a good candidate, they'd be ready to rock yes. out. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they're okay. just waiting on doe to come into estrus. And a, a guy sent me a video just a couple of days ago of a, a seven point breeding a doe ten mile, ten miles down the road, a, a full month before breeding season. Mm-hmm. You know, now is she ready? I don't know. I mean, she allowed the breeding to take place. Right. She acted like she was so ready. She must be. So she must be. You know, she she must. And there's be outliers. Oh yeah, everywhere. There's, there's outliers. You know, you have your average, and then you have outliers on either side. Yeah. But you know, that would be extremely early for here to have sure. Thanksgiving breeding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So bucks are pretty much ready to go. Oh, they're, they're ready. Yeah, they're ready. <laughs> they're ready. Yeah. Like any male. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to say. <laughs> Not going to get too picky about timing. That's funny. Um, I guess uh, at kind of uh, this fourth question here, um, I feel like we could probably spend the rest of the time talking about it, but how does somebody properly scout for the rut in the South? Because, you you know, I guess in other um, seasons uh, or other parts of the, of the, of the deer season, you're targeting food sources or you're targeting kind of travel or bedding or something like that. But when you've got the rut, it's almost like all bets are off. Like, I mean, how, how do how can you really it, narrow down where these deer are going to be? All bets are off because they can be absolutely anywhere. They can come from any mm-hmm. direction, but I, I'm relying heavy on those travel corridors from bedding to food. Um, I, I want to know, 
by by that time of the year, I want to know what trails my does are taking mm-hmm. to food sources and and back to bedding, because at that point, really, you're just wanting to hunt does. Mm-hmm. Don't you can't get a buck typically on your on your radar and just focus on what you think he's doing because mm-hmm. he's not doing what he wants to do. He's doing what she's doing. Well, she allows him to he, do. Yeah, so. <laughs> You find the does, you find the bucks. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. So, you know, most people around here will say that, like, if, don't worry about those bucks. Don't, don't, you know what I mean? You kind of have a general idea where they've been. Mm-hmm. But if you find does, like, at some point, they're going to get hot. That's it. And when that happens, you know, it's kind of like a live decoy at that point. You know, <laughs> it, it is. Uh, there's no better bait than, than <laughs> right. a doe that's in heat. Yeah. Uh, and I hunt the rut a little bit differently than a lot of the mentality around here is. A lot of people, I just want to get where I can see. I want to see. I don't do that. I hunt thick. I hunt really, really thick in the rut. And the majority of big deer that I've killed on does, I couldn't have made a 20 or 30-yard shot. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's as far as I'm going to be able to shoot them. Yeah. Um, I'm hunting thickets that I know does are traveling in, and even if – those are not there. The bucks are going to be using those thickets to travel from where they've been to where they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, you know, I I know this is going to sound really strange. I, uh, through the years, I have not had very good success in January. Mm-hmm. And that's when everybody, everybody I know kills their big deer in January. I don't, never have. I kill them in December, November, December. And January, I guess I just let everybody else do their thing because. Mm-hmm. Well, you you're know. always tagged out by the end. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The, the rest of us are, are left with the Some straps. years that would be the case. Um, well, I mean, there's there's two two racks laying over there, the other side of the room, and one at the house that on on this property here, I killed them either on December the seventeenth or eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know. Two, two, well, three years in a row. Just, I, I have, that, I have often said, if you want to kill, if if I want to kill a big buck, mm-hmm. the, a deer I'm after, I'm going to kill him between December 18th and 26th. Because that's just the recipe for here. Well, yeah, here's this yeah. is my theory. You've got all these young bucks going nuts. I mean, that's when everybody starts. Oh, the rut's really kicking off around Christmas. It is, and what. I think you're seeing it's hard to see mature bucks at that time, really hard, mm. unless you're hunting in the right places. They're in the thickets tending the first few does that are coming mm-hmm. into estrus. Our, our does start to come in around that third week of December. Like everything else we talk about, you got your bell curve. That's right. So right. you got so these first we're on that climb. In. We're on that climb mm-hmm. on that bell curve, mm-hmm. and all the big bucks, they're on does. They're not running around chasing does like all the young bucks are. They're already on does. Mm-hmm. And that's when I'm usually successful. When when all chaos breaks loose after Christmas, I just I, I don't have success then. I, I, I don't. I have been much more successful. Of course, Matt's been hunting here many more years than I have, but I've been over here, what, nearly 10 mm-hmm. now. I, you take that bell curve and you chop the middle out of it, I'm successful at the front end mm-hmm. and the back end. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Th- those mature bucks trying to pick up those first few. Yep, or the last then, few trying to pick up the last few. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, you know, yeah, I'm over here hunting during that middle part, you know, if I don't have other stuff going on, family stuff, work. But uh, I, I, if if I'm going to focus my time, it's the early part 
and the late part. Yeah. I, let, I let everybody else I would, have that middle. I would take the first two weeks of bow season over peak rut here oh, every yeah. year, yeah. every single year. I love, I love early season. I just – I feel like, number one, it's – you're a little giddy just to get out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's been so long since you've been able to get in the woods. But also, you've got – you know, a lot of food, and which can make it a little more difficult. To, like this year, there's acorns everywhere. Mm-hmm. So how do you, you know what I mean? How do you figure out which acorn tree? You, know you don't. I mean? well, you just kind of have to <laughs> figure it out. You but. just hunt. Yeah. This was the first year in quite a while that you didn't kill a mature buck in the first 10 days. Mm-hmm. Generally, you, you've got a really good solid deer down the first first 10 days usually i do and you and just it, had poor weather patterns it was it was very poor weather a lot of warm days southerly winds i don't have a lot to hunt with a south wind mm-hmm. and um then the deer that i did end up killing with my bow here i saw him several days prior to that and i was hunting a hardwood ridge that had acorns all over it deer sign all over it uh hadn't had a camera in there no cameras anyway on this whole track no, mm-hmm. no cameras no corn I was just hunting, and I happened to catch a couple of deer moving to the hardwood ridge 350, 400 yards away. So I picked up my binoculars, and I got to looking, and I was like, that's two mature bucks, and there's another mature buck, and there's another middle-aged buck, and there comes another buck, and there comes another buck, and there's does, and they're all feeding on these white oak acorns on this other ridge, and I'm like, I just picked the wrong place to be. So... um. The next time I went in there, uh, it's kind of ironic. I was just talking about south winds. I needed a southeast wind to get in there and hunt it properly. Mm-hmm. I was like, my better weather, I can't hunt that. I can't hunt on north, northwest wind like I want to. Mm-hmm. So five days later, we had a southeast wind, and I I hauled in there about 3.30. It was a little bit late. Mm-hmm. And um, as I was climbing up in the tree, I had two deer walk out. And my bow's still on the ground. Mm. Of course, they're young, you know, but it'll all be in the video. Um, but I videoed those two young deer, then I had a couple does come in. Everything's going great. You know, I, I got my bow up without mm-hmm. spooking anything. And um, I'm just sitting there at like 445, and I look over, and I was like, there he is, 150 yards, coming straight to me. He gets in there and feeds around Take within a sweet time. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's, it's typical agonizing. Matt, typical Matt Brock too. I mean, they just appear out of thin air, and you know he's not going to be one of those guys that sees them three or four times and plays chess with them. They just kind of walk up underneath him and raise a leg. And it's all about right no. I wish that he would have. <laughs> I waited and waited and waited and waited on a shot for this deer, and I had several shots on him, and I actually drew a couple times and like we were talking about with the video equipment and all that kind of stuff, it just it inhibited my ability to make mm-hmm. the shot that I wanted to. And I finally got him around just over 40 yards, and, and I was like, gosh, I really don't want to shoot this deer that far. Like mm-hmm. I, I just I kind of set a personal standard at about 35. Yeah. I mean, I, I can hit targets all day at 60, 70 yards right. without any hiccup. But it's different when you're shooting at a live animal. Absolutely. And especially southern whitetails. I'm sorry, you people hunting in the Midwest, let me tell you something. You have no freaking idea what it's like to sling an arrow at a southern deer. <laughs> you no. just don't. You, you don't. They Their brisket will hit dirt. <laughs> and that arrow will go right over their back. Sometimes at 20 yards. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm shooting at a deer at 45 yards. And um, I settled in on him. And I was like, you better shoot low. 
at this distance he's going to drop. It was dead silent. I mean, there was nothing going on, no wind. Yeah, and in, in the video it looks like, you know, we all like calm weather, you know, so to speak. This was too calm. It's too calm. Yeah. I mean, oh, it is. It's it's, it, it looked dead. You can hear crickets. I mean, there's just like crickets chirping everywhere, well, you know. That and, deer's 45 yards away, and on the video you can hear it chomping acorns. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can hear it, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that's, that's, that's right. quiet, man. There's that's, not a whole lot going on. Yeah, that's how quiet it was. And, and, and <clears throat> that – that veracity he's shooting is, is a quiet bow. It is, and, yeah. and got one too. It, it, it it's fast. It, it's fast, and it it sounds. Unfortunately, you know it sounds it's loud. Sound, it's like, <laughs> but it's so quiet. I think we were texting when we were in Kansas one day. I'm like, I don't like hunting like this. It is too still. Yes, yes. It, for it, Kansas, it was it was eerie. Yeah, it's too. It's pretty windy out it's there. It's normally windy it's out there, windy. and we and me and him were talking like it's just too calm. Yeah. I don't know how to handle this, but. Anyway, so yeah, I was I was able to get that deer, and, and um, hopefully we'll have that video out pretty soon. But that was, uh, gosh, what day was that? November. I don't remember. A week before you left. It was it? a week before I left to go to Kansas. So it would have been the first week in November. November I think seventh, eighth, something like yeah, that. Six, I don't eight. know. But either way, that was a little bit later. I've normally, I've normally had an opportunity to shoot a mature deer by October, by November the first mm-hmm. each year, but. Yeah. Uh, I want to come back to something that you mentioned about the the rut. I know we kind of got off on an early season tangent there, but um, you said that you really like hunting thick stuff mm-hmm. for the rut. Um, it, I mean, I know you said, like, I guess for travel and that sort of stuff, but is that because the bucks try to, to like, tend those does in the thick stuff, and that's kind of why you like that? Yes. Or is it – okay. And, and I'll I'll add this. People come to me and like, man, I've got this big deer on camera. He's nocturnal. I'm like, no, he's not. He's not nocturnal. He's moving somewhere in daylight. Mm-hmm. There, there's no no such thing as a completely nocturnal deer. Nope. You've got to figure out where he's moving. And I promise you, he's moving somewhere in daylight. And it may be for 45 minutes, but mm-hmm. you need to be there during those 45 minutes that he's moving. And I find that a lot of these mature bucks that I'm getting on camera at 11 p.m., 1 a.m., they're moving 200 yards from that location all day long. Mm-hmm. You just got to be there. Yeah. And thick areas is where I find them what, doing. What's cool about the Midwest, and I talk about, you know, deer being deer, but you get out there and you'll, I mean, you can see forever in some mm-hmm. of these places. You know, those deer, they, they'll bed up and you can see them just in a little, mm-hmm. little thick patch out in a field or something. Every few minutes, they're up moving. Mm-hmm. They may not move 10, 20 yards, but they're up moving back and forth. They're, there's not, they don't lay down for hours and hours and hours during the daylight period Mm-mm. and just stay put. Mm-hmm. They're, they're <clears throat> moving somewhere. You've just got to find where that is. They're exactly the same here. They're up moving somewhere. you mm-hmm. just got to pinpoint where they are moving. And a lot of the big deer that I've killed here would not be there. And then they were. I mean, it, it's just like they stood up. You know, they yeah. were bedded down the whole time. I didn't mm-hmm. know it, but they're they're there the entire time, and they just stand up. And that's all I need him to do. Just show me where you're at. I'll I'll kill him. Yeah. I just need to know where you are. Right. Give me that location. Yeah. Man. Just give me your Drop location. Me a pin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Need to know. But uh, yeah, that's they're uh, they're tending those. They're using those for travel corridors. Yeah. Well, like I um, this is. 
I guess this may have been the last time trying to think back this may be the last time I took a rifle to the woods but that same place that I've referenced a couple times with the split rut that Mm -hmm. same lease the last day of the season there it was like uncharacteristically hot that day Mm -hmm. and um, I decided to hunt the edge of a edge of like a pine thicket and um, long story short heard something behind me and I just I just kept hearing it but it was so thick behind me I couldn't really I couldn't see anything and I'm just like that I mean it it sounded too big to be like an armadillo or you know or squirrels or whatever it was like that has to be a deer it's got to be and mm-hmm. I end up finally I catch horn just just a glimpse of horns you know moving through that stuff and it took me 20 minutes I watched it for 20 minutes where I finally shot and mm-hmm. it was eight point killed it text my dad hey got one down you know okay sounds good whatever no kidding 15 minutes later i hear this in the same spot more noise more Mm -hmm. noise. i'm like what in the world is going on you know and i finally figure out i'm like that's a doe like you know there's a there's another deer out there I had no clue, not proud of this at all, but I had no idea there was another deer there. I had shot through him and dropped him and hit her because he was tended to doe. He was with her. Didn't know. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Anyways, I had kind of clipped the spine of her. I I don't know how they were laying. You know what I mean? How, Mm -hmm. how, I have no idea how that was, how that, you know, was was oriented, but uh, ended up killing uh, you know a buck and a doe in the same shot oh yeah but it was because like you're saying they were bedded up together and right. he was not about to leave her you know he's going to stay right there mm-hmm. and um so i've kind of taken that similar approach during the rut is like i don't really like to hunt the thick stuff mm-hmm. because i do like jeremy hey man i want to get to where i can see i want to mm-hmm. get where i can see what's going on but that just kind of tends to be where they're at yeah you know i'd like to bed up in that stuff well- the Southern New Podcast is brought to you by Vitalized Seed. What sets Vitalized Seed Mixes apart from other companies is their ability to keep producing throughout multiple periods of the year. The symbiotic relationships between the different varieties support soil health while being extremely attractive to a variety of wildlife and important pollinators. If you're looking for a product that is going to benefit all of your wildlife and help you put deer and turkey in the freezer, ask your local seed dealer for Vitalized Seed. For more information, visit vitalizeseed.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-Z-E-S-E-E-D.com. Well, there was several years ago, I killed a really good deer. And um, I I had them on camera crossing in between. There was a gap in a uh, barbed wire fence. Mm-hmm. And it was really thick on both sides. But that was the only place that they could really cross. Uh-huh. Which I I have learned in the Midwest, you can those deer don't think nothing about jumping over a, a five foot nope. fence. I mean, like nothing. I would or look at some, underneath. Yeah, one. I would look at some <laughs> of these places, and I was like, "There's a deer trail right here," but I don't know about hunting it just because that fence is so high. Well, I would hunt it, and deer of all age classes would just walk right up to it, right over it, and keep on with life, you know. And down here, they look for gaps and easier mm. ways to get through those things. So, like any other southerner, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> they're good and lazy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, um, anyway, I hunted this gap and, uh, I was late one day, really late getting home from work. And I thought there's just no way 
I can get in there with enough time, but I need to go today. This is a killing day. This is the, these are the days that I kill things. And um, we'll have an episode on that one day because I don't hunt like mo- when most people are at the house, I'm hunting. <laughs> um, but it, it was the wind was blowing 25, 30 miles an hour. It weirdest, was, weirdest thing. He swears by hunting in just brutal winds. And I'm like, nah. I've got data. I mean, I've got all the information from every deer I've ever killed and what the weather weather was doing that day. By far, my most successful days on big deer in Alabama or 25-plus mile-an-hour wind. Golly. If, well, if, I'm not going when it's that. I mean, it, it's just like I, that's when I'm going to be there. Yeah. And um, that was one of those days. And because the wind was blowing so hard, the deer couldn't hear. You know, they can't really see that well either because everything above them is moving back and forth. So you can get away with a lot more movement. Mm-hmm. And I, I got in, got in my climber. It was after 4 o'clock. And I got up in my climber. And I, I hadn't been there three minutes. And, you know, I'm glassing, looking around. And 30 yards from me, I see a rack. And I was like, that's him. That's the deer I came in here to kill. He's bedded down 30 yards from me. Never knew I was there. And that's, I never knew he was there. That's crazy. <laughs> and he stood up right then. It's like as soon as I saw him, he just stands up. He turns his head, licks his back, you know, flicks his tail get shot he, and he gets <laughs> shot he, he dies right there you know made, made him famous but you know that's um th- those thick areas like that is just where i have a lot of success at, at all times of the season it doesn't this was with a muzzle loader early in the season okay gotcha so you know and, it, and when he, when you're talking about thick cover because i i know where you hunt and we hunt a lot together explain a little bit about thick cover. you don't necessarily mean you know thick clear cuts it can't be hunted because I, I like seeing a long way mm-hmm. but uh I, I mean like grown up clear cuts yeah you're talking about stuff that you can see a long way but you're only able to see pockets right there. you have to pick a shot you may see a deer you may see a deer in a pocket and not be able to shoot him because of brush debris you know limbs whatever mm-hmm. um yeah you don't you don't mean a thick pine plantation that you can't hunt. No. You know, he, These are areas that are huntable. You just have to select your shots yeah, very carefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little more early succession type yes, habitat yes. that's, you know, some of it may be overhead high. Some of it may just be knee high right. in places. Mm-hmm. A lot of these areas but, are clear cuts or select cuts where the ground level vegetation has had anywhere from three to six years of growth on it. So that's gotcha. when a lot of people quit hunting those areas. Oh, yeah. Because you you are you have limited visibility. You know, people you, like to see. You know. Oh, they yeah. do. They you like know. to see, and, I, and I love to see. I'm perfectly content sitting there and seeing one deer. Because mm-hmm. it might be if, that if one if it's the one I'm after. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to ask you guys because I know we've we've kind of talked about like, hey, look, deer going to move during daylight hours may not be much, you know, what I mean, but they're always going to move. They're not 100 percent nocturnal. A term that gets thrown around here in the South is the the december lull like that's something that mm-hmm. people will talk about like oh man there's no there's no need to even go to the woods during that time because the rut hasn't started yet <clears throat> or it's you know or whatever and in the midwest it's october you know mm-hmm. that's the october lull don't worry about it you know what i mean don't even get don't even get off the couch is there any legitimacy to those terms or is that just something that makes us feel better when we want to stay home <laughs> <laughs> you know when we don't want to get out and, and hunt well deer activity definitely decreases um, one, you have the effects of pressure. 
So everybody gets in the woods that the first couple of weeks. You've got opening weekend, then you have Thanksgiving, then you have early December. Everybody's hunting, and it shuts deer activity down. Mm-hmm. So regardless of our rut timing, you've got that factor. Then you have that little push where a lot of these younger bucks are starting to harass does, and does are just like, all right, fine, I just won't move. You know, I'm going to get somewhere thick, and I'm thicket somewhere i'm not going to move because i don't want you messing with me <laughs> you know so deer activity really decreases i'd say for like today's december 2nd isn't it i think i think so so from now until about december the 15th it's going to get really really slow <laughs> yeah and, and i think lull is probably i'm going to play semantics here just a little bit but matt mentioned that you know you go from the first part of the season where deer are acting like deer and there's a lot of pressure. I I think it's – I don't think this quote-unquote the deer activity is changing based off of deer influence. I think it's all people influenced. Mm-hmm. You know, you get in the woods, they're acting like deer. They hadn't encountered human activity a whole lot. And so you're seeing a lot of movement mm-hmm. then. Well – that that pressure starts to impact them. They start to move less, but then you get into the rut and the movement picks up. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it's not not so much a lull as they're being pressured, and that's how they're gonna act the rest of the season, except for during the rut. Yeah, and you just have to adapt as a hunter. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I, I don't really experience a December lull because I change my tactics a little bit. Well, we don't. And we don't put a lot of pressure. Yeah, on Yeah, we place don't anyway. hunt like like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, if now there's a lot of guys and a lot of clubs that are very successful, kill a ton of deer, and you know a lot of young bucks. But there's a lot of people in the woods. Deer being bumped, they get up, they move. We got cell cameras, so mm-hmm. we know when and where deer are moving. Baiting's legal, so we've become much more efficient at, mm. at killing deer even when pressure is really really high mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I, I think that's what makes us maybe as com- compared to our surroundings uh or our neighbors that surround us we're uber successful at killing mature bucks but you know if the weather's not right we're not going in the woods mm-hmm. to where you know, I, I'm a weekend warrior too over here because it's three hours from my home. Mm-hmm. But if I check the weather out and it's not going to be right, I'm not, you know, for my stand locations, I'm not coming over here. Unnecessary mm-hmm. pressure. Yeah. Right. But, you know, a club down the road or, you know, any of these guys that's hunting that, that don't take uh, take those factors into account, man, they're going to the woods. They're yeah. just they're just going every opportunity. Well, especially, I mean, I feel like if local people, you know, yeah. if you live close, well, just go get in the woods. Well, you know and, I mean? and like, one thing I I you know heard constantly through the years, it running over a thousand hunting clubs for a timber company years ago was, by gosh, I paid my thousand dollars to be in this club, and I'm gonna kill my deer. That's mm-hmm. right. And so it didn't it didn't matter what the weather was like, what the deer was like, mm-hmm. come hell or high water, they're killing deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And and that's you know that's their right, but that to me is the wrong mentality mm-hmm. because I, I would now I would venture to say that uh, the hunting club cost the least cost is the smallest part now 
even though it's they've gone up tremendously and and most folks are probably paying what do you think thousand dollars a year good average here yeah i mean it's, probably, it's up, up to way over that i know oh, yeah. i know of some clubs that are i know a couple that are nearly 10 grand a pop yeah if you're going to maintain oh. low pressure and you know more acres per hunter and try to manage for mature deer you're going to be paying three four five thousand dollars anyway yeah and that's by, that, our, by, by what we're doing by the time we plant some things on our limited acres that's that's about what we're paying it's a chunk mm-hmm. of change and especially it, it, it's a lot of money with the expectation that i might kill 130 inch deer yeah you mm-hmm. know um and that's a you know for a lot of alabama hunters that's that's about all they can expect that's you know, right, there's yeah. a lot of mature deer well, out and that, there and it's not for everybody either no you know what i mean there's no. some people that are like hey man i got no interest in that right. <laughs> you know what i mean if, yeah. I, if i want to kill something big i'll go to kansas or i'll right. you know whatever yeah so yeah i mean it is tough too but the the, the pressure uh, you know it all boils back down to that mm-hmm. I, I think when it you know when you talk about the lull i don't i don't think it's anything related to deer uh biology so to speak it's it's all about how we're impacting them and their movement patterns. So just, I mean, obviously this isn't a real scenario, but yeah, let's just say that the does never come into estrus. Is it just like a, they, they stay with, they stick with that lull behavior, you know, being locked down the rest of the season. Because, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The, the, they're, they're the run gonna, is what brings them out of that. I yeah, guess they're, they're, they're going to act pressured. Um, and you know, if you totally remove the 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 rut out of it and the increased activity, their body condition is going to be great mm-hmm. going into the winter, and they they may move even less mm-hmm. uh, just as an effect of being in good condition, not having to be a slave to their stomach like yeah. they are. Well, and I, that's the that's the last thing I'll ask because we're getting close to an hour here, but. Um, I know we've talked about kind of deer being enslaved to their stomachs and post rut, those sort of things where I have hunted. And all I can speak from is my personal experience. It seems like even in late season, even in late January, and even now that we have this, you know, extended season in February, there's, I mean, there's Chinese privet, there's hackberry bushes. There, there's all kind of browse mm. that a deer can eat. Mm-hmm if they want to absolutely in the south absolutely and don't necessarily have to go hit your feeder Mm -mm. or go hit your whatever and so i have always been of the of the mentality of like one of the reasons that big like smart mature deer don't get killed by like like what you'd see in the midwest is because they don't necessarily have to show their face in daylight they don't want to Mm -hmm. you know they don't get that big by being stupid right and uh but I've also heard kind of the opposite end of like, you know, you're saying, Hey, look, in February, you extend that season out, their bodies are depleted from the rut and now if you want to kill every deer on a place you can, you know what I mean? It's possible. Mm-hmm. So I'd like, almost bet everything I own that the first ten days of February this year mm-hmm. I will have every single mature deer that lived Mm-hmm. on camera in daylight hours on on bait mm-hmm. really oh, yeah. on bait. every one of them that's crazy man mm-hmm. <laughs> and and there again what we talk about it all boils down to pressure because mm-hmm. i'm not even hunting then like i I, right. I basically quit about early january i'm not even going to go after that 
Mm-hmm. Usually don't. If if folks will hunt a place and not pressure it, you you won't see that lull. Right. It it, it won't be noticeable. Mm-hmm. The the deer activity deer are gonna act normal. Yeah. Like you can go over here to our place that we didn't get to go to because of the the rain. Nobody <laughs> wanted to sit out in the pouring rain. And I promise you. Through the December lull, you go over there, you're going to see several deer every sit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because we don't pressure it. Yeah. yeah. Feel safer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody nobody has been on it except for to fill feeders through the summer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go top them off today and to change batteries and cameras. Yep. And to plant food plots. Other than that, nobody's ever there. No. Yeah. We don't scout. We don't. We know we've hunted these properties long enough that we know where the deer are moving. Mm-hmm. We know where to go hunt certain times of the year, you know, whether it be rut or whether it be late season or whatever. We know where those deer are going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we we could go without cameras. No, I don't, yeah, I don't even, I don't scout here anymore. I hadn't scouted here in 10 years. <laughs> and I, I, I don't have to. I just know through patterns what deer are going to do at certain times of the year. And I just wait. And, that, and go. And I think that's a problem with the clubs is there's so much turnover. Mm-hmm. People oh, yeah. are trying to learn those properties. Learn a new place, yeah. So they're always on it. They're always on it. Mm-hmm. But if you can stick with a place, I promise you, you're going to be a more successful hunter. Yep. Yeah, just learning the land. Yep. yep. I mean, where, where I grew up hunting in Tennessee, I mean, we had a, a tree called the killing tree. <laughs> if you went up there in a two-week period when we were, when the deer were rutting, mm-hmm. when they were chasing does you could shoot a buck there every day <laughs> i just like it you would just you would just you know run out of bucks mm-hmm. but you could shoot a buck there every day while they were running yeah um and that's that's where we killed our mature deer up there and a lot of young deer died there too but, yeah. <laughs> uh you know different time try it but yeah you, you can learn a property yeah really well um i thought of one other question i, I, I keep doing this but i got one thing i gotta ask too um, I know just from footage that I've seen from uh, you guys in Kansas and stuff, and you'll see it all over the Midwest during the rut. Guys have grunt tubes, and they've got rattling horns, mm-hmm. and they're snort wheezing. And they're all, all right. Do those have you guys found success during the rut using the same tactics? Do you rattle in deer? Do you grunt in deer? Have you snort wheeze, or, do you, or does I, that I, blow every deer out? I think <laughs> everybody's going to have a different answer. Yeah, yeah, and I think that. You know, to me, you've got to know that deer. In in the Midwest, you're gonna you have so many opportunities at different bucks. Deer densities are different. Sex ratios are different. There, there's more competition. I mean, I rattled in in two days of hunting up there. I think I rattled in seven or eight bucks. Um, I rattled in several while I was up there. Really? You know, yeah. and just rattle them to the tree. You know, the the deer I shot, you can hear him coming in behind me grunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of vocalizations. I've got one where, uh, you know, I'm not good with the camera stuff and use the wrong mic. And so I've got a lapel <laughs> mic in the tree and I rattle in two young bucks and they spar and they get out there and snort. They make every vocalization a whitetail can make and we don't get to hear it on camera. <laughs> I'm hearing it. Yeah. But the mic doesn't pick right. it up. Um, <clears throat> but I have had success here. But with cameras, 
we got to know individual deer. If you get enough footage, you know, enough mm-hmm. video or enough pictures of deer, you know, around bait or in a field, you can kind of determine their personality. And if you can pick out a deer that's aggressive, you know, he's always got his ears laid back. He's always posturing around feed or around other bucks. If you see that deer, you can call him in. Mm-hmm. The other deer that they're not they're not aggressive and they're standoffish, you are not going to call that deer. There's a lot of timid deer around here. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I, I don't have success calling here. I, I quit mm-hmm. doing that years ago. I just quit. No, I've got um, – I can't – I think it's called the arrowhead or something. It's a little bitty grunt call. It's like this big. And uh, it's the only thing that I have found – for the deer around here that, you know, it's a grunt tube that doesn't sound like a silverback gorilla, you right. know, it's like, because I must feel like it scares everything off. Mm-hmm. Um, also of the only deer that I've ever rattled in, I've done it one time in my life in Alabama. And because I actually rattled in a buck, I was like, Oh my gosh, that worked. So he had to die. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the only success I've had in Alabama was on Oak mountain. Really? Yeah. We did the, um, uh, adult mentored hunts there with the state okay and two years in a row i rattled in a buck for two different hunters um you know well on up in the morning mid-morning um both times no successful shot but the deer were definitely in bow range okay um but they were young you know and these were first time hunters you know i told them i said if you want to shoot the deer shoot it Mm -hmm. you know it's a young buck but you you lay the hammer down The Southern U Podcast is brought to you by First South Farm Credit. If you are looking to purchase land, it's highly likely that financing will be needed. The team at First South Farm Credit understands the ins and outs of the land buying process and can help you get the financing needed to secure your purchase. Whether you are looking for that dream cattle farm or that big piece of timber to chase deer and turkey on, First South Farm Credit can get it done. For more information, visit firstsouthfarmcredit.com. That's first, F-I-R-S-T, south, S-O-U-T-H, farm, F-A-R-M, credit, C-R-E-D-I-T dot com. Yeah. If you want to. Um, But, you know, I I just, I've rattled here, and we've got great sex ratios and age structure for the most part, and still... I don't have any success doing that. So that's See, not a and, and and I have had a little here a little success here on a place down the road. Of course it's it's a huge transmission line cut through the property. Um and it's, you know, pretty thick uh you know, early succession habitat, you know, anywhere from knee to shoulder high mm-hmm. under that thing. And uh I have had success there getting deer to come out of the woods and come look into that now they didn't come to the tree right but they came out of the woods and came out in that power line walked up and down it and kind of checked just to see you know what was what Mm -hmm. and you know had it been a deer that i wanted to harvest with a rifle i could you know none of them came close enough to be in in bow range now i've got a friend that hunts over um in a couple of our bordering counties He's killed quite a few really good deer calling. Really? Yeah, and I asked him, I said, you know, what? how are you setting up? What are you doing? And he calls in thick cover and usually has a shotgun. 
Oh, he's okay. like, I, you know, I'm I'm shooting at stuff that's really close. I I'm on the ground, I'm rattling real aggressive grunting sequences, getting a deer to come in th- really thick cover, mm. close enough to see with a shotgun. He's smoking them. <laughs> wow. And I if if I'm calling deer, I am never making one sound. Mm-hmm. Right. I know that. And you're like, huh? But I've got a grunt tube in my mouth, and I'm making noise as I'm rattling or if you know i'm depending on what the deer is doing if he's just kind of cruising by himself a lot of times i'll use a grunt tube uh you know in conjunction with a can Mm -hmm. now i hate the can and i finally started seeing people post some videos here you know in in recent history of man it all every time you turn it over it sounds exactly the same and, and it does and don't like it i've always blown on the bottom of it (laughs) but i've I've to make your own vocalizations yeah it it sounds more like a vocalization right uh you know that you're making with you know your throat Mm. uh like a deer would Uh, but i finally started seeing people talk a little bit more about that i've been doing that you know for for years because it does sound Mm. more natural as compared to you know if you actually hear that in the woods yeah it sounds totally different it doesn't sound anything like a can right And, and i played around with it and you can you can blow on it softly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you can kind of get the right tone to yeah. it uh, and the right cadence. You know, it, it is shorter. It's not that yeah, like the can sounds yeah. like. But I, I'm trying to do that in conjunction with the grunt call. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am here to tell you, if you've got a buck that's teed up, you snort wheeze at him. Oh yeah, they they respond. They sure do. Um, and, but that here though, y- yes, yes. Okay. I've had deer respond to snort wheezes it, here. It, okay. If if yes. they're teed up and they're 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 ready to rock, yes, and that that will get their attention. I've heard a lot of snort wheezing around here. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's something to see. But you know, I was thinking while I was in Kansas doing a rattling sequence, and I it, the the thought just came to my mind. It's like you know. When I get done with this, if I'm not out of breath, I'm not doing it right. You know, I mean, really, That's like exactly right. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing the place out, and I'm not just, you know, when I when I watch bucks fight, they're tearing the woods down, they're oh, breaking yeah. sticks, they're running into trees. So you know, like I'm not just hitting antlers together. I'm hitting everything I can touch. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hitting limbs. I'm raking up and down the 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 tree that I'm sitting in. You know, and like Jeremy making other noises mm-hmm. and. Uh, if you're not, you're not doing it right. Yeah. And just tickling antlers together in the rut, no, that's not what they do. If yeah. you've ever seen it, that's not what's going yeah. on. And I'll, it's hard to do. I mean, rattling is much more effective on the ground mm-hmm. because you can make things sound so much more realistic. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've done it here. I've never done it in the Midwest um, just because you're moving more. It's more wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, but But here I've got a set of rattling horns laying around here somewhere. Um, I'll antlers, can y'all please start saying yeah, I'm that? I'm sorry. <laughs> Rattling antlers. Thank you. Shout out to OKist Hunter, Eric. Can't eat the horns. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. My my nephew and his buddies call them horns, and I make fun of them for it, and now I'm saying it because I'm around <laughs> them so dang much. Um, but I'll I'll rattle with them and do what I'm doing, and then I've got a rope tied to them, and I will – drop them to the ground and, and oh, yeah. let them hit and they'll still tickle together while I'm grunting. Mm-hmm. I like that noise on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, you know, if I, if I could choose the best way to do it, mm-hmm. even here in the South, 
I got two people if I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm having somebody tear the absolute world apart with a set of rattling antlers. <laughs> yes, thank and you. A, uh, and a grunt call. And somebody else has got a, got a gun or a bow, and they're, they're watching every direction. Right. And they're ready because, you know, when they come in – they're gonna come in hot, and they may leave hot. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you kind of got to be ready. Yeah, I mean, like I've not, like I said, I rattled in one deer in my life uh, in Alabama, and then uh, uh, shout out Jake Kirsch, uh, one of my buddies in Birmingham. Um, we hunted a property that he has permission to hunt in um, the Cab County several years ago, and um, it was during the rest of January for up there it's kind of when the deer get on their feet moving around some and uh anyways i i am just running a camera for him that day and we're in the same tree at um had a few deer come in early that morning but we stayed until 10 o'clock we're gonna we're gonna try to stay till 12 just because it, we know kind of what goes on there 10 o'clock i look down in the bottom about 60 yards away from us and there's a you know mature buck uh, biggest deer that either of us have ever seen on this property and it's just he's just there you know kind of like you said mm-hmm. he just he's just kind of appears out of nowhere jake grunts at him he comes in to about 35 ish yards doesn't really give a shot you know to him and sort of starts to lose interest and starts to go back down in that bottom where he came from jake grunts he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Doesn't pay no he attention. Did, he didn't see anything. No, nope, didn't right. see anything. He starts moving around. I grab mine, that little call I'm talking about, the little one is immediately turns around, starts to come back to us. Totally different vocalization. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was like, "What was that?" Comes back, and I'm like, "I'm running a camera, and I typically don't get oh, you got torn out of the frame." I was fired. I was like, "I can't believe this is working." You know, I've just never seen it like this before, yeah. and he comes back. And and gives a shot. Um, Jake was afraid to move, afraid to kind of you know make it work. But when he starts to come back, um, he's coming through like briars and just junk, you know. And I I can see through my viewfinder, you know, in the uh, screen of the camera. I go draw your bow. Like he's still sixty five yards away from us. I said draw now. Yeah. You know he mm-hmm. is. He's coming on a rope. There comes to the tree, and I, I don't know. I guess I think Jake was just afraid to move, afraid he's going to get picked off or whatever, but he gets to the tree, not sure if he sees us or gets a whiff of something he doesn't like, whatever, but he takes a few bounds and ends up way down there in the bottom again. Mm. So at this point, we're just letting him calm down, and he starts to leave. Jake grunts, nothing. I grunt, nothing. nothing. Doesn't mm-hmm. care. And I'm like, I mean, he's walking away, you know, getting farther away every second. I said, can you snort wheeze? You know, do you have one on your call? Said, yeah, yeah, I've got one. I said, just do it. Just try to do something. Or no, 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 not snort wheeze. I'm sorry, bleat. Mm-hmm. Just bleat at him. Just try to do something he hasn't heard yet. So, okay, you know, here he comes. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, dude, that, you know, this is crazy. <laughs> but he ends up coming and circling around behind us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I had a bow in my hand, I could have killed him a million times. He's 20 yards from me, and he just cannot figure out where this deer is. He keeps hearing, you know. And, mm-hmm. But he works his way around us and gets in this privet, and um, it's basically a, a cattle pasture behind us. And he just kind of works away from us and gets into that pasture and leaves. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but he came in three different times, you know, and it was just it was just really cool to be in the tree and film the whole thing, get all oh, that yeah. stuff footage. It was, uh, it was really cool. If I can – get some of that footage from Jake. I'll try to throw it together so you guys can see it. But 
it was just really, you know, that's mm-hmm. probably my only experience of having success calling one in. But um, yeah, call, kind of, calling is a blast. We, we got to get Cody on and talk about some that some of the calling we did in Texas. Oh, I, bet that's I mean, fun. insane. Oh yeah, we, we'd totally set up different in a, world. Yeah, in a prickly pear flat, and you know, get <sighs> get behind a one that that covered you pretty good, and you know that that's where. I, I kind of developed the you've got to have two guys, yeah. you know, is, is doing it out there. And, you know, he would just absolutely tear up the world, beating antlers together. And, it, I mean, it sounded like a world-ending fight. And, you know, you can just see a rack coming at us running. And he's like, draw. And he said, when he hits the opening, I'll say yes or no. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, that's it. We're out there shooting certain age class deer. doesn't matter what's on their head, just mm-hmm. certain age class. So, you know, he's rattling and nothing and nothing. All of a sudden, there's just giant right coming through, just, I mean, running. He goes, draw. I'm like, ah, that's pretty good ways away. Yeah. And he, he looks at me, draw. Yeah. So, I, I just draw, and Buck comes out, hits the road, just stops, and is looking right at us broadside. I'm waiting on the yes or no, and it's a booner. I mean, he's a booner all day, yeah. and he just goes, no. Like, oh, what? I did all that for nothing. Yeah, so I, you know. Let, Sorry, I didn't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <What was that? laughs> so I, I let down, and, of course, like we've talked about, they know those deer, you know, intimately. He goes, that was so-and-so, and called his name and said, he's, he's three. And I'm like, What? He's like, oh yeah, he's like, he, he's the best up and comer we've got. Yeah, and uh, you'd be in trouble. Yeah, but I mean, what were they gonna do? Kick me off? Not let me come back? No. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly my mentality coming here. It is true. I'm gonna shoot one of Matt's two year olds. Oh, but, but calling, you know, during the rut is just you gotta you gotta try it you may not be mm-hmm. successful yeah. but i promise you you're gonna have fun and and if you do it from the ground oh it's a blast yeah. mm-hmm. uh there's no doubt in my mind we could take a trip somewhere in the midwest and hunt as a three-man group on the ground if if we're there at the right time and and call a buck in kill him all and with, with all three of us on the ground oh yeah you know just <laughs> in a wad because awesome. i mean they come in teed up. They're oh, ready, yeah. they're ready to fight. Ready to rock and roll. <laughs> it and I mean, and I'll just a quick story. We'll cut this thing off. But uh, two years ago, I was in Kansas, and uh, I had rattled in a couple of little small bucks, and they they stayed in the field. You know the the rest of the hunt. And I get down, and I'm walking out, and I you know mind you, I've got a flashlight on. I heard a little red headlamp, and I'm walking out, and I look up, and I just catch a glimpse of a buck standing there looking at me and i'm like all right well he's about to tear out and i just kind of keep walking and i, I see him kind of do that and he snort wheezes i'm not a deer yeah and i'm like <laughs> whoa I, I you know i'm gonna have to fight to get out of here oh yeah and uh you know i, I do that and he starts getting closer and it's one of the, you know, the two-year-old that I had called in, you mm-hmm. know, and he'd, he'd stayed out there, and I, you know, I figured he saw me get out of the tree and left. Uh-uh. That son of a gun was looking for a fight, and I thought I was going to have to fight him to get out of the field. <laughs> I event- He eventually figured me out, but how, how far apart are we? 12, 10, 12 foot? Yeah, 10 feet. At, 
at max, he let me walk by him at that, and he had his, you know, it, it's light enough I could see, and I've got a little bit, and I've got a headlamp on. I mean, he's standing there with his ears laid back looking at me mm-hmm. as I go by at, at about 10 or 12 feet. I'm like, that'd make me a little nervous. I was like, I'm really going to have to have to fight with this deer. Mm-hmm. I, and, and, and I've never been worried in the woods, you know, but that one kind of, it, it was a little eerie. The, the only time I've ever been afraid in the woods was with a, a whitetail in Kansas. And I, I had one, I had a 130 inch deer follow me to my tree. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, he, he was looking for a fight. I mean, he heard me, I guess, walking through the woods, got to my tree, attached my climber. I'm going up. He walks over the hill, comes straight to me. And I'm like, do you not see what I am? I'm like, I'm not a deer, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm starting to get in my climber and he's coming and he walks 12 yards, 10 yards, five yards. And I'm four foot off the ground at this point in time. And he literally comes up and sticks his nose up and starts to smell the bottom of the climber. And I'm like, I'm really glad I'm not on the ground. You know, once he smelled me though, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, total game changer. But he was so teed up. Mm-hmm. He was coming in to figure out what else is in here. What who who oh, is it? It's a wild feeling. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad used to he had an enclosure and he raised deer <clears throat> and sell them to other, you know Evil man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh man, you get some, some bottle fed bucks. Oh yeah. And oh. They are not scared. They'll kill of you. you. They'll They're kill you. They're not scared mm-hmm. of you at all. And uh he had one in particular that he couldn't even like you know, dad couldn't even go make repairs to like the fence and stuff because it would just follow him around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember if we'll get him on here one day and he'll tell you the same story, but he had a a piece of like one by or something like that that was out there by the fence. And this deer would hook its rack in the fence and just bong, just, just pop it right, mm-hmm. you know, just on the other side of the fence from dad and just, you know, being aggressive, just mm-hmm. being a weirdo. And uh, the head was just like, you know, trying to get him out of the way. So he said, I picked that piece of wood up and I put it through the fence and I just, I just shove it down to try to hit him like in the brisket shoulder area. Just, you know, just get out of here. Just, just made him matter. Yeah. And he said, he hooked that piece of wood that I had and yanked it out of my hands before I even knew what had happened. The amount gone. of strength those and, things have <laughs> yeah, is that, unbelievable. Dad goes selling you yeah. <laughs> you know you get I, like i i don't want to get in the pen you yeah. know with him anymore. deer can absolutely hurt you bad when, when i was at auburn we we trapped some for research project and and you know we weren't darting these deer mm. we were dropping drop nets on them on adult bucks and going out and form tackling best we could <laughs> adult bucks and then giving them the Juice. Give them juice, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, in the hip once we got them under control. Oh, that's dangerous. And, y'all, we took some ass whoopings. <laughs> me, and a, me and a buddy, Jordan Smith, uh, biologist buddy of mine up in North Carolina. I mean, we took some beatings at mm-hmm. the hand of a deer. And it, it, we're, we're probably lucky we didn't get seriously hurt. The, the funniest one was one we caught a – Oh, uh, he was a four and a half year old buck, and this was in a high fence. Okay, mm. so it they big big old rack jokers. Uh, all we caught him by was his rack. The rest of his body was out of the net. Mm. And Jordan, ju- I mean, literally jumps on this deer on his back, trying to ride him down, and grabs him by the antlers. 
and I'm trying to get his back legs out from under him to get him on on mm-hmm. his side, and antlers just pop off. Oh, I mean, they just pop off. No, mm. and he's up on that deer. And the deer doesn't know he's loose yet. <laughs> and so deer's bucking like a bucking horse, and and Jordan's up there kind of riding. He's got he's got antlers in his hands, and finally he just kind of drops them and grabs hold of the deer. Y'all, when he realized he was loose, oh yeah, he beat us uh, unmercifully, <laughs> pawed us. Mm-hmm. You know those hooves are hurt. Oh, yeah. They'll cut you, and, you and they are sharp. You up. Yeah, uh, but yeah, deer. Deer can hurt you. <laughs> Moral of the story, don't tackle deer. Uh-uh. No. No. Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, um, hopefully, you, <clears throat> hopefully you guys enjoyed discussion, um, talking about the rut. It's about to kick off, you know, in uh, certain parts of the south, especially here in Alabama. So, I feel like it's a timely episode to put out. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free. You know, we're not afraid of your negative comments either. Uh, of course, we like the encouragement, but. Let us know how we're doing. If we're terrible, let us know about that, too. No big deal. If you're going to pick at us, you better have thick skin. Yeah, that's right. Yep. We're going to pick back. Yeah, we, we throw it right back at you. No big deal. It goes both ways. Um, but we will uh, – this one will be, uh, I believe, the 14th or 15th This it should drop. And um, we'll be getting ready for Christmas and rutcations and all that kind of stuff going on here. So Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. Got a lot of stuff coming up for you. Um, in the, in the near future too so stay tuned um we may have some other things going on in social you might want to um might want to be aware of too we'll put more out there as we get closer for some details but for now i think that's all we got uh from the killing cabinet in fayette yep. alabama have fun be safe <laughs> mm-hmm. wear your hunter orange guys there. they'll write yep. you a ticket that's right they will i'm about to go put out some vitalized seed on december the 2nd there you go right. that's it has been a crazy year. Mm-hmm. We just put out our last bag of vitalized big big bump, but we we put out five acres worth day before yesterday. Yep, nice. well, that's what I'm fixing to go do. Always great yeah. to be planting food plots in December. The, in December, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Welcome to the South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening in, and we will see you next time.